Hey guys, what's up? I'm Shama. And I'm Tiffany, and you're listening to Chai Tea Party. This is a podcast about the underdogs, the brave, the creative, and the slightly off in the Daisy community. So today on Brown Girl's Guide to Survival, we are talking with Sandeep, who is a lifestyle editor at Brown Girl Magazine, and she's going to be giving us tips on a Brown Girl's Guide to Surviving Living at Home with Strict Parents under the same roof. And this also applies to men. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Please welcome Sandeep. Hi. All right, can I just get started? Yeah, we can just dive right into this. Yeah, so why don't you tell us how long you've been with uh, Brown Girl? Sure. So I've been with Brown Girl for almost a year now. It's going to be a year in September. I started off last year in August-ish, September. Um, Totally a fluke. I mean, I wanted to just be a volunteer writer for the magazine and ended up being their lifestyle editor, and I could not be happier. Um, It's an amazing platform to be a part of. I mean, I love just being a part of that community. I feel like I'm a part of, like, a greater good. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, like, so much content, so many things that millennials, South Asian women can relate to on a daily basis. You can can pop anything pretty much in there in terms of topics. And, you know, call it fashion, beauty, food, travel, hard-hitting topics. And there's something there for everyone. And I think I just love that about being uh, being a part of that community. Kind of just kind of having a helping hand, being relatable to pretty much anybody at any time uh, of the day in any corner of the world. So I love that. Awesome. So we have, um, so so people don't really know how we get these segments started, but we actually um, were talking to Atia, who has just been on the show with us. And we were kind of coordinating yeah. different topics to talk about. So you wanted to discuss having strict parents. What was, did you, I mean, I'm assuming you have a personal connection to this topic. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> what was kind of the driving force behind wanting to bring this particular uh, conversation to light? Or tips Yeah, to light? for sure. I mean, uh, I'm 27 years old. I've been married for two years now, so I don't live at home anymore. But I come from your typical Punjabi family. Um, mm-hmm. We're loud. We're big. Uh, there, there's a lot of people I used to live at home when I was at home. Um, they still do. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the underlying factor here with pretty much every South Asian household is like that that strict parental hand just kind of is always lingering over you, mm-hmm. which I mean is a good thing. I know um, a lot of us can relate, and I know you said this as well, but like I still haven't gotten over it. I still feel like oh my gosh, somewhere, if I have to make a decision, I have to call up my mom and be like, hey mom, can I do this? I'm going to 26 years old. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I don't live at home anymore. Um, but I just feel like, you know, if I chop my hair too short, my dad's going to like never talk to me again because he was so against me cutting my hair. Mm. There's all sorts of stuff. So I think it was really relevant, even in today's time and time and day, to bring it up, regardless of how old you are, because I feel like it lingers forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the same about my parents. I mean, I, I feel like my dad, after my grandmother uh, was alive, he was really afraid of her too. So it's kind of like passed down. Um, and I think my thing was kind of just to how to overcome it, but I'll be so honest with you, I was never able to yeah that's really interesting that you bring that up because you're right it doesn't just 
happen when you're living under their house, like in under their roof. Um, I mean, like I'm about to turn 27 and I do the same thing. Like I ask my parents permission to do certain things and they're like, they even will say like, why are you still asking me about this? And I'm like, I don't know. I like, I, (laughs) this is like my reflex. I feel like I need like your blessing to like go out somewhere and do something with my friend, you know? Um, yeah. So why don't we break it up into two parts? So, um, why don't you give us some tips for people that are still living at home, having to deal with that right now? And then also, once you're out of the house, like how how do you think, um, or at least for you, how has it been to readjust and what are good tips to readjusting to a lifestyle where you are making your own decisions because you're a grown-ass woman or man? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, for sure. So, I mean, at the first part, I think when you're at home, communication is super key. Um, I know people, and, I, and I've been guilty of this as well, like I've asked to go to, let's say, like a friend party, and my parents say no. Um, I haven't been one of those people to actually kind of question why or um, kind of press the matter further. I've never been confrontational, so it was really easy for my parents to just say no, mm-hmm. and then I just go like retreat to my room and just kind of sit there and sulk in some corner. <laughs> but I think one of the ways that I could really get through to them was just to ask why. And that wasn't to spite them, and it wasn't to, you know, create an argument. I think um, if you ask them why, they'll probably give you a very valid reason. And the end, at the end of the day, if they do say no to going to, you know, your friend's party or staying out late or breaking a curfew, they're really just looking out for you. But I think when we're at home, obviously we're a lot younger, we're in our teens, we're in our early 20s, if we just can't digest the fact that we're not able to do what other other people our age are doing, what our friends are doing, and we miss out on so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you just ask that question of why or, you know, give them – give them a chance to explain themselves. I think the conversation really opens up to more than just that no, that was their original answer. And sometimes I've actually really kind of kind of snuck, snuck a yes out of them that way, just, just by <laughs> questioning just by questioning their intentions of saying no. Um, doesn't work all the time, I'll be really honest. Um, but I think it's just kind of, it's like a free-form conversation at that point that you can have with them and a little bit of back and forth. And you can really understand your perspective, their perspective, and I think you can really put your perspective into, uh, into their heads as well. And I think that works a lot easier um, nowadays with parents just becoming so much more modern, so much more accepting of the mm-hmm. culture. Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with going out. Um, but I know with my parents, like, I had a curfew of nine until I was about 25, and then I got married, and then... Once I got married after nine, it was just like, oh my god, I have to go back home. Yeah, so um, I think why and just having that open conversation with parents while you are at home is that uh, it's just, it's just super it's super important, and I mm-hmm. think it kind of it's, it's helpful for your relationship as well. I think with your parents. I remember my sister, I have an older sister who's seven years older than me, so she went through everything before I did. Yeah, and she would always tell me, talk to them like you're the adult. And then they'll treat you like you're an adult. So, you know, after a while, when I moved back home after college, um, I was like, well, everyone deals with this, and this is really annoying, but I'm still that angsty teenager inside, you know? And I would act like that in front of my parents, and they're like, well, no shit, we get into arguments because you want to, you know, party, because <laughs> you're yeah. still, like, acting like a little kid. And I'm like, oh, you're right. So I just started having that conversation, like, this is what I'm doing, this is why I want you to be doing it. I'm not trying to rebel, I'm just going out four days in a week or whatever the case may be, you know, <laughs> right. like, then they started realizing, like, oh, yeah, you're an adult making adult decisions, like, this is okay, and of course, sometimes they're still like, well, why do you have to do that, 
But, you know, as long as we're having that conversation, we keep having that conversation, like, it makes it easier. But then I still go into that angsty teen mode, which I'm sure, like, other people can definitely relate to that, too, especially living under the same roof. But, um, yeah, it just starts with that conversation. So I'm glad that you said that, too. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. I just, I think the one thing, and this is, I guess this is where my funny story kind of comes in, is the one thing I just couldn't get through to my dad was the fact that I needed an email address. So when I was in grade 12, I was 18, oh all these kids, like all these students in my class, just for, even for homework purposes, they were like exchanging emails, like, you know, send me your essay, I can edit it, or whatever the case may be. So nothing to even do with like leisure. Um, and I was here using my brother's email. So people would be sending my assignments, my work to my brother's email. I would have to log into like his MSN to speak to my classmates. And I just, my dad just wouldn't get it that I need my own email. And regardless of how, how crazy I went explaining it to him, I didn't get my first email until I went to, like, university. And that was my university once. But I think I got, like, my own personal email at, like, 20. And that was after he said, yeah, I think you can, you can use an email now. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I can't, I can't explain, yeah. <laughs> but I find that kind of crazy now. That is so interesting. Oh, my gosh. So how have you dealt with now being out of the house, being a married woman, and still feeling like you have to go to your parents for approval on things. How do you break that cycle? I think that, I think that works. Like, uh, I know you also said that, you know, your parents can say, why are you asking me anymore? Like, you know, you don't have to ask me to cut your hair or you don't have to ask me to wear, you know, whatever. Um, it's hard. I, I mean, like, the, for the first little while, like like I even said, when I was out past a certain time, I was like, no, no, I should go home. Otherwise, my parents are going to get mad. But... It, it really doesn't matter to them anymore. And I think that's when it really occurs to them too that I'm responsible. Uh, I mean, regardless of the number of times they probably considered me a responsible woman while I was staying in their home, I think it was after I actually just start living on my own kind of thing after I got married that they really took it in that I'm able to make, like, big girl decisions. Mm-hmm. And they really did help me in, um, in kind of moving away from that, like consulting with them all the time. Like, you know, do you think I should do this? Or do you, do you think it's a good idea to... Um, you know, something as, I don't know, like, I can't really come up with something, but, like, yeah, I, I think I'll just go back to, like, the cutting, the, cutting hair example. Um, and, yeah, they were just, like, I would be so afraid to chop my hair off and go home. Like, last summer, I cut my hair super short, and then I was, like, okay, well, now I have to go home, and I didn't think about this before I got, before I did it, but now Dad's probably going to want to, like, chop my head off. But I got <laughs> home, and it was normal. Because I guess it, 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 they've really helped me kind of break into, like, that independence of being outside the house. And I'm, I'm so appreciative of that. And I, I'm actually appreciative of all the things that they actually did kind of restrict me from because I guess somewhere deep down it did make me a little bit more responsible and it made me enjoy myself responsibly, I guess, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because the back of my head, it was always like, you know, what would my dad think if I was doing something, you know, whatever or anything like that. Sure, yeah. And hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like, as we get older, we start to see that the things that our parents say and do are for our benefit. Like, it's usually not, like, them just being malicious and us not wanting to have a good time and a good life. Like, obviously, they're... Exactly. They gave us life. They want us to, like, enjoy it as well. You know. Exactly. I guess it's, it's just their, like, parental instinct of just kind of always wanting to look out for you. And, like, they have this notion that something's going to go wrong somewhere mm-hmm. to let you go out or whatever. Yeah. Um, which I guess we can't argue. I don't know. I'm not a parent yet. I don't know what I'm going to be like. I really hope I'm not like that. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people do say that you realize when you have kids why parents do the things that they do. Because it's not easy mm-hmm. for them either because they don't want to feel like they're restricting their kid on doing everything. 
you know, but at the same time, it's like that internal thing of just trying to keep them safe, and you just don't know how to, because they're their own person, so. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I I mean, you don't want, like, a bottled-up 18-year-old that's, like, hating you for things that you're, you know, restricting them from, but then at the end of the day, it's their perspective as well. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, Sandeep, if people want to find your work online, where is the best place for them to follow you or uh, Brown Girl stuff? Sure. So you can um, actually directly go onto Facebook and you can find me on Facebook um, and Brown Girl as well. You can also just search up my name on browngirl.com and all my archived articles will be there as well. Um, and I'm available on Twitter and Instagram as well if anyone did want to follow me. As, same thing with Brown Girl. Perfect. Okay. And we will sure. add all I'll the links. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's your actual handle for Twitter? Do you guys want handles as well? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Great. Okay, so Twitter is my, um, it's Sinister Sandeep, so my last name and my first name. Perfect. And Instagram, it's um, my first name, Sandeep, and then my last name, but without the second P. So the P from Sandeep turns into my last name. Okay, perfect. So we will yeah. put all of the links to your work. Um, on social media as well as on Brown Girl in the description of the podcast so people can find you very easily. But um, yeah, keep us updated on all the cool things that you get to do and write about and please come back anytime. You were so great at this. You're very much a natural. And yeah, come on and hang out with us again. Hey, thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, Thank you for being on. Today's guest was the quintessential hit girl of her time, has appeared in over 90 Bollywood movies from 1952 to 1999, is a recipient of the Filmfare Lifetime Achievement Award, and happens to be my Fiji. Please welcome Asha Parekh. Hello, guys. Hi, welcome. (laughs) Is 90 correct? Yeah, approximately 90. Yeah, right around. Do you have a favorite that you've done? That's very difficult to say. It's (laughs) It's my fans who have to say which was the best. Oh, yeah, that's very true. So usually whenever we talk to people, we like to know a little bit of background. So um, I know that your background was initially in dance, right? Yes, I started dancing on the stage and late Bimal Roy saw me on stage performing and he called me out in the auditorium and said, would you work in a film? And I just said, yes, I was about eight or nine years old. Oh, wow. Didn't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> so I said, yes. And that's how I got into a film called Ma. Mm-hmm. Then I went back to my studies. And when I grew up, again, I was called back by Vijay Bhatt because I'd also already worked with him. Mm-hmm. So You were 16 at this time? Uh, I was about 15, 16. Okay. And... Um, he called me and he wanted me to star in his film as the heroine. Mm-hmm. And uh, after two days of work, he said, I'm not star material. And he threw me out of the film. Wow. wow. And uh, that was a big blow. But uh, I think uh, God was very kind because the next, within a th- two, three days, I was uh, I was at a mahurat. You know, mahurat is a thing which they, when a film is started, you do a mahurat. Mm-hmm. So there was a film which was being started and everybody was invited. So when I went there, uh, Sashadhar Mukherjee saw me and he called me out. He knew that I was being, I had been thrown out 
Oh, okay. But he said, no, you come over and meet me at the house. So I went to see him. He said, you join my acting school and uh, we'll see what we can do. And this is two or three days after? Yes, it was just after two, three days. Wow, that's fast. So he called me and uh, he said, you join my acting school and I was going two, three days and I was not very keen about it. I was slightly low, mm -hmm. so didn't want to go to the school. And uh, it happened so that um, there was a audition done by late Nandlal Jaswantlal, who was one of the most top most directors. And he took my, uh, he took a screen test. Mm -hmm. And uh, that screen test was seen by Mr. Nasir Hussain and Shashadar Mukherjee. And he liked a close-up of mine and he said, let's try this girl out. So they, uh, I mean, they were shooting for Dil Dege Dekho. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a day which was free of the hero because the hero was very busy at that time, Shami Kapoor. Mm -hmm. So he said that uh, we'll do a shot between me and Sadna. There was another girl also who was a very big star after Love and Simla. So, uh, unfortunately, she had a star in her eye, so she couldn't come for the shooting and I did the shooting the whole day. And then they selected me, they said, okay, you are the heroine of the day. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it seems like this was almost just a series of accidents, like you just happened to be in the yes, right spot at yes, the right time for all yes, things. Yes, yes. Wow. What do you think that you would have done if you hadn't been called back again to act? I was studying, I was studying in the uh, school and uh, then I thought I would become an IS officer. I wanted to become a doctor, but I couldn't be a doctor because I saw a lot of blood. A man was killed <laughs> oh in a train uh, train uh, accident oh, geez. and that blood really upset me and I said, oh my God, I won't be a doctor. Mm. Then I wanted to be an IS officer. Really? So it would I would have gone back for my studies if nothing mm -hmm. had happened. Were your parents supportive of what yeah, very supportive, choose. very supportive because my grandfather was a financer to films, mm -hmm. so it was not a very big issue. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they knew the industry already. How did he start doing that? You know? I don't, I don't remember, but I came to know that he was financing films. Mm -hmm. And um, he had financed Naik Parveen, which was a, you know, old time film and... Mm -hmm. He finances a film. After that, he stopped financing. Wow. Mm. wow. So when you started consistently doing movies, then you were you were probably like like in eighteen, right? Yeah, Early seventeen. Seventeen. So at that time, like at least I know, speaking to Nani or Dobby, I guess she really is. You know, she started getting like marriage proposals and all that while she was fourteen. Did you hear the story? No. About Nani. Nani's first. Marriage proposal was when she was fourteen years old, mm -hmm. and then, so and then like there a whole drama happened with the guy, and he was just like after money and stuff, and then she met Nana when she was sixteen, I think it was, mm -hmm. and so that's when she actually got married. So did you have a lot of that happening? Did you have a lot of like? No, it did not happen. It only happened at uh, my uncle's wedding. There was a family which came, and I was at the door receiving people, mm -hmm. and they saw me and they wanted me to get married. So my mother said, no, she's too young, she's 15, where are you going to get her married? <laughs> yeah. So my aunties were very keen, Oris are very good, mm -hmm. uh, family is very good and very rich people, and I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. 
And as somebody, <clears throat> did you feel that pressure a lot throughout your life to, to get married? No, not as such. But yes, after a certain age, my mom was very keen that I should get married. Mm-hmm. But she eventually was okay oh, when it was not exactly. destined. I would put it to destiny that it was not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell my mom that. Yeah, you should meet my mom too. (laughs) No, it's. uh, I think one should get married because uh, in the later years you need some companion. It's just that if you have somebody who can look after you, can Mm -hmm. care for you, Mm -hmm. who can love you, Mm -hmm. that you miss out. Yeah. So in in the book, so the reason now that you're here in the United States is because you have a book that's come out called The Hit Girl which you've opened very candidly up about your struggle with suicidal ideations, panic attacks, sleep disorders, palpitations, and spells of anxiety. And I know in the book you said that that happened about nine years ago, maybe ten years ago now that it's Yes, it happened because suddenly I lost my mother, I lost my father, I lost my aunt, Mm -hmm. all three in a row, and they were all living with me. Mm -hmm. So there was a vacuum suddenly, there was nobody around, and... uh, I don't know, after a few months, I started feeling as if, you know, I'm, my heart is beating too hard. I'm having palpitations and I don't know what is happening to me. And I used to sit and cry. Mm-hmm. So one day in the night, uh, I was crying away and I didn't know what was happening to me. So I rang up my doctor friends. So they said, just close the telephone, we are coming. And they came at around 11.30 in the night. They saw my condition and they said, well, you need a doctor. Mm-hmm. So the next day they brought the doctor and I talked to him and I said, I don't want any pills. If you can get me out of the thing without pills, I would be very happy. Mm-hmm. He says, no, I'll give you a very small dose, half a tablet and you'll feel better and all that. So I started taking that and I started feeling better and better. So I feel that uh, girls or boys who are, you know, going through this sort of a trauma should not hesitate in going to a doctor. Mm-hmm. It, they should go to a doctor because it helps. Mm-hmm. Unnecessary, you may commit a suicide. You're giving away your life for nothing. So I personally feel that when you are in that sort of a condition, you should go to a doctor. Do you think that any of the stigma that you had against mental illness made you hesitant to contact somebody? Yes, at that time, everyone would not talk about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, when Deepika Padukone started talking about her mental illness, mm-hmm. then people started opening up. And then I said, what's wrong about if I tell people and if people can take some advice from me mm-hmm. that when you feel low, when you feel upset, you, know, you feel like committing suicide, please go to a doctor mm-hmm. so that he can save you. Right. And it's interesting you say that because even here in America, People don't take it seriously unless a celebrity has come out and said, mm-hmm. I had to go to rehab because of depression, you know, not because of a drinking problem, but I had suicidal thoughts and I'm famous and, you know, like it can happen to the normal person and we still don't yeah, we, talk about it amongst ourselves, which yes, is so Yes, you crazy. should talk. Mm-hmm. You should talk to your parents. You should mm-hmm. talk to your friends what's happening to you and mm-hmm. they may help you out to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you can go to a psychoanalyst or... and get yourself, I mean, analyzed what's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a little bit off topic, but along those same lines then, do you feel like because of the position that you were in in India, that you had to be a essentially a spokesperson for those things? Or did you not feel like... No, it's, uh, it's nice that people should know that what we have gone through. 
and uh, I've written my autobiography and in that I've discussed about this you know mm-hmm. I've talked about it yeah and the one thing I thought was interesting is that so initially when you first went to a therapist they kind of made you feel a little crazier no the, the first person who came to me was a doctor who started talking to me in such a way and then he gave me a about 10 pages of paper to be filled up you know mm-hmm. he had question uh, questions and i had to answer it mm-hmm. uh i thought i'd gone kinky you know mm-hmm. because it was too funny then it, then right. he said you come to my clinic and i went there and his assistant came and gave me some pictures what do you think of it was a splashes of color you know oh, what is that called they do that here too it's mm-hmm. like they, they put ink on something and they open it right mm mm-hmm. And it's just and like, what do you see? Or no, this just... was just paint, put splashes of paint. And what oh, do you okay. think about it? Mm-hmm. I thought I'm going nutty. Either <laughs> she's nutty or I'm nutty, you know. <laughs> so I was very upset about it. I said, yes, the next time I'll come back. And I just left him. I didn't go to him next time. Oh, okay. So how did you find the second person you were going to? That's the doctor friends who brought the doctor. Oh, oh okay. okay. I see. So how long... did it take for you to notice that you were feeling this way then to contact somebody uh it must have been about a month oh okay that's actually relatively short yeah mm-hmm. yeah because people. i started crying i started running i didn't know what was happening to me mm-hmm. so so once you started getting more of like the physical yes um symptoms symptoms yeah like that's when you realize like palpitation you have okay. anxiety mm-hmm. so these are the symptoms which are there which one should not uh, you know uh, keep it away they should look into it and do something about it mm-hmm. what do you think did you think that this is just directly the cause of all the loss that you had or did you have this over time um being in industry like in the industry that you were in as well no not not as such mm-hmm. i mean in the industry when i was working i was very happy i was doing my work i was performing on the stage So there was no time to think of getting into a depression. Right. It's just when you're sitting idle and this sort of things may strike you. Yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah, that is very true. It is kind of when you have to sit alone with your thoughts that you realize how dark they are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh so what gave you the motivation to include it? I know that you had talked about the book coming out um like her own story, but um What made you want to write this book and write it so freely about? Uh, well, this happened suddenly. This a very famous uh, journalist critic Mr. Khalid Mohammad he came over one day to my place and suddenly out of the blues he said, "Let's write your book, you know." I said, "What am I going to speak about? It's not a very interesting life as such." But then I realized it was not just acting and being a star. There were a lot of things which I have done, and which people don't even know that I have done. Mm-hmm. So I, I said, okay, let's try to write the book, and we did it very fast. In three months, we had finished the book. Wow. Yeah, I can't yeah. believe that. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that that was very fast, and then uh, it took time for the publicity to be done, the publisher to be getting into it, and. the photographs there were a lot of uh, things that this photo should not come and that photo should not mm-hmm. come so we had to work on the photographs also and we had to i had to go into my attic and take out all the pictures uh, people who helped us out also mm-hmm. in getting pictures 
So that's how the book started. I loved that about your book. And I think a lot of autobiographies are very, I mean, they're books, so they have all these words in them, and that's great. But the thing I like about yours is that as we're looking through everything, you have the photos, you have descriptions, so that, and they correlate with what you're talking about. So it's nice to see like a physical timeline as well to include with what you're writing about, which is nice. So people yes. can feel like they're on that journey with you. Yeah, yeah. I like, like when people include faces that. to mm-hmm. names and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, instead of, I'm somebody that who, if I'm reading a biography about somebody, I'm Googling everyone's name. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that I can see what they look like and I can picture somebody that in my head. Um, were you nervous at all to release it? I was not nervous. I was nervous when the launch took place. Mm-hmm. I was a little oh, yeah. skeptical whether people would like the book or not. And God has been kind. The book has been appreciated a lot and people are liking it. Yeah, and I think it really helps people to hear, especially with the things that you've done with your life and you've yes. been through, especially with something like mental illness, to show that you're a human being and that you go through the same things or that yes. for something like mental illness where it does make people feel crazy and makes you feel isolated that you're not alone in your in your battle. Yeah. So I think that's really important that um, people get to see that side of, of you. Yeah, and especially being yeah. on screen for that long, people already put you in a box. Yes. And they're like, oh, she's a child star and she did all this and, you know, all she does is movies. That's it. That's what she is. But they, they don't realize the dimensions of your actual life. Yeah. You know, like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. it's so relatable that everyone does go through this. Yeah. At some point in their life, you know. So if you could go back and tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? Well, the, I mean, the things which I missed out in life, mm-hmm. my regrets of not doing certain films. Mm-hmm. So if I had to go back, I would not make those mistakes again. Mm-hmm. Do you think most of your regrets are related to your career? Like what? Yes, what mostly, with- mostly with the career. Um, yeah, I think so. It was career, yeah. more career, because I was working around the clock all the time. Mm-hmm. Right, because then after you were, after you had finished acting, then you went to directing and producing, right? Mm-hmm. That's how was that as a transition then? Uh, well, I always wanted to direct a film. And I had an opportunity to do it, but somehow it did not work out. Mm-hmm. So then I got into television and I started my serials. I directed them and uh, as God has been very kind right through. Mm-hmm. My serials did very well. They were big hits. Yeah, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, a preference of acting or directing? Uh, both. Yeah. Both. <laughs> both are different. Acting is, you were acting because the director is telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, in uh, directing, you direct, you visualize how you're going to take the shots, how you're going to present your artist. Mm-hmm. So it's a different sort of a thing. I mean, I love that directing. Yeah. Mm. What are some things that you want to... Well, because since you've been here, we've done a couple different things, right? So yesterday you got to ride in my Jeep. Yes. <laughs> yes, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I had her try mochi yesterday. Nice. Yeah. How did you like so, that? It was okay. <laughs> it was interesting. Yeah, some of them were weird. Um, but now, like, you're getting this chance to kind of experience different things and do different things. Um, what are some things that you have on your list that you still want to to do or achieve? Well, I would love to travel, see different places. Mm-hmm. That's one thing which I would love to do it because I did not get that opportunity when I was working. Mm-hmm. And I worked for practically 30, 40 years. So 
that was a long journey. Do you, do you find yourself bored now that you're not working all the time? No, I don't think so. I'm just relaxing now, enjoying <laughs> life. Enjoying, As you should. <laughs> yes, enjoying life. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay, great. All right, so we were telling you in the beginning we play a little game. So this is that time. We play a this or that type game mm-hmm. that we have so brilliantly named <laughs> this or that. So we give you two options and you just have to pick the best one. Oh, Usually wow. it's um, the one that someone just says first. So that's fine. If that might not even be your answer, just say it. <laughs> um, so it'll be like coffee or tea, Coke or Pepsi, that kind of thing. And you just say it the first thing. Um, so we have five questions for you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, bagels or waffles? Waffles. <laughs> <laughs> I had to ask because I remember today you had them. Yes. But yeah. You guys can't see it, but she has a big smile on her face <laughs> saying waffles. <laughs> Boats or trains? Boats. Okay. Uh, Bombay or New York? Definitely Bombay. Mm, I know, I know. I'm biased, right? <laughs> I was trying to convince her New York was the best. Oh, it really is. <laughs> Flowers or candy? Flowers. Oh, that's what you said. <laughs> um, writing or directing? Writing. Mm. Do you think you would rather write something or direct something? Write. Mm-hmm. No, I would like directing. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> oh, I wanted to ask you one. Sorry. Oh, oh yeah. Um, TV or film? Films. Yeah? Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> are I think a million things we could have talked about today and spend a whole bunch of time on everything but I kind of wanted to hit on different things but the best way that you guys can learn about the hit girl and more about Asha Feiji is buying her book so we will post the link to the book in the description of this episode so you can get all the information straight into your own hands um yeah so thank you for coming and doing this with us thank you I enjoyed it Good. thank you it's so nice to meet you If you like waffles, autobiographies, and Indian hit girls, share this with someone you like. Or don't like. Someone who is thinking about seeking help. Someone who is a Bollywood film buff. Or someone who is living their own autobiography. Thanks for listening. Cheers.